Welcome to Macquarie Street, the national political podcast coming to you from the crucible of Australian democracy. Here's your host, Lyle Shelton. Well, good day and welcome to the 68th edition of the Macquarie Street Political Podcast. It's great to have your company. I'm coming to you from Melbourne in Victoria, where I've been on the road these last few days, talking to supporters of Family First, getting the party rebirthed and organised ahead of the November Victorian election. And I'm sure you'll all agree that uh, Victoria under Daniel Andrews, uh, the Labor administration has had a terrible influence on this country. Uh, it's the most anti-freedom, anti-family government Australia has ever had. And uh, we'll have a lot more to say about that in the weeks and months ahead. But uh, all that to say, it's been a great uh, pleasure meeting up with Family First supporters in Bendigo and Melbourne and having key meetings. And uh, you're going to really be excited about uh, what is happening on the ground as we get our campaign organised. Well, today I want to uh, bring you a special interview. Um, I know many of us have been following the pro-life issue and the events in the United States with the overturning of Roe versus Wade, uh, the Supreme Court decision which forced uh, abortion uh, on all of the states of the United States. And the overturning of that court decision, that a court-imposed decision, means that America's laws now are like Australia's in that the states have the ability to decide yes or no uh, to whether or not uh, there are human rights for unborn babies or, or whether there's restrictions on the ability to kill them and, and what sort of support can be given to their mothers. It, it's a debate that obviously is um, one that polarises. It's one that galvanises uh, particularly the left of politics. And Australia is not immune to this. Even though this decision is in faraway America, we've seen a mobilisation of pro-abortion uh, forces and activists over the last few weeks since the decision was handed down. In fact, this week, uh, women's ministers led by the Albanese government's uh, women's minister, uh, Katie Gallagher, uh, and, and her state counterparts, including uh, some from the National Party and the Liberal Party, are all meeting in Adelaide to discuss how to better safeguard abortion. Now, Australia has some of the most uh, extreme and liberalised abortion laws in the world. We have abortion to birth. Uh, even when there's a healthy mother and a healthy baby, there, there are no real restrictions uh, right up to birth in most states of Australia. And yet women's ministers are meeting to discuss safeguarding abortion. It would be great if we could have a conversation in the public discourse about safeguarding uh, the human rights of unborn babies and also safeguarding their mothers from being coerced into having abortions by men, uh, something which happens very, very frequently. But uh, that's where the discussion sadly has been uh, left. Uh, but I want to bring you today something a little bit different. And this is the neglected part of this debate, and, and that is support for women. And many of you might be aware, but uh, I think many of us have not been aware that there is uh, a growing network of support for women who find themselves with unsupported pregnancies. And uh, these Fledgling organisations around the nation often run on shoestring budgets, staffed by volunteers, uh, doing the hard work of fundraising. Uh, they're providing all sorts of um, care and support for women who find themselves vulnerable because uh, a man has got them pregnant and is not supporting them and they're wondering what their options are. And so I had the privilege um, uh, last week of recording uh, the interview you're about to see with uh, Lynn Mallon Winyard. She is uh, the head of Pregnancy Help Australia, and uh, you're going to love 
what she has to say and the perspective that she brings that focuses this issue on the mothers who are often forgotten. So please sit back and enjoy. Well, it's fantastic to have with me today uh, Lara Mallon-Winyard uh, from Perth in Western Australia. She's the president of Pregnancy Help Australia. That's an umbrella organisation. It's a network of over 30 uh, centres uh, supporting uh, women in Australia who might find themselves in a position of having unsupported pregnancy. It's really important work. And uh, I'm really pleased to have uh, Lara joining me today on the Macquarie Street Political Podcast. Lara, thanks so much for your time. Thank you, Lyle. It's great to be here. Thank you. Well, Lara, we've all been excited in the pro-life movement about the uh, events in the United States last month with the overturning of the Roe versus Wade situation. And the focus has, and I don't think it's wrong necessarily to focus on the unborn babies' lives that will be saved in many of those states in America who, which will restrict the uh, practice of taking the lives of unborn babies. But, of course, uh, those of us in the pro-life movement don't just care about the life of the baby. We always care about the life of the mother, uh, despite what our opponents say. And uh, I'm really excited to be talking to you today because you're someone uh, who is very much focused on the lives of um, of women who find themselves unsupported. I'd love to hear your thoughts, Lara, and I know our audience would, um, about you know your take on Roe v. Wade and what that means uh, for mothers going forward. Yeah, well, overall, you know, there's a rejoicing from, personally, from my end, I see, you know, the constitutional order has returned to the US. So when an order um, returns, there's balance, there's beauty in the order coming back. And so there's also a spiritual beauty to that, because then it creates a foundation for growth. And even in this sector, which I've been working in for maybe over 10 years with not-for-profits, I've often come into not-for-profits and I've seen that you've got a constitution there. It has key objects that were, you know, the, the centre or the organisation was founded on. And through the way, some of those initial objects can become a little bit warped, um, depending on the ideas and, and what's going on with the group. And so to always come back and know that that solid base is there. So from that perspective, it is a real, um, it's a time of celebration um, in terms of the constitution, but in terms of abortion, um, you know, regardless of law reform, abortion law, nothing is going to change or take away the absolute overwhelm, the shock, the panic, the anguish, the despair um, that an unplanned pregnancy can bring. And that's why for us um, that has never changed and it will never change um, and we keep going business as usual with what we do. Well, well Laura, tell us uh, a little bit about the work that Pregnancy Help Australia does and, and the members of your network. Uh, I had no idea it was so large uh, around this nation. There's so many committed people, committed uh, not so much to political action as, as some of us are, but uh, to actually helping women on the ground. Tell us what your organisations do. Yeah, well, from a bird's eye perspective, the organisations are actually made up of many Christian women from many different denominations. So they're all belonging to different churches and often they don't speak to each other about, you know, what church home they belong to or what denomination. They all come together 
in the spirit of Christian service, bringing their gifts, bringing their professional qualifications, their skills, and they come together to provide a space of compassion um, where women can come and they can just spill out everything that they are emotionally burdened with in that moment and have some space to talk it through. Um, and then, of course, whilst they're in that space, there's a trust gained and the women's, they're allowed, I suppose, they're given permission to engage with their heart for a minute and just see in the midst of all the problems, in the midst of all the shock, where is their heart and what is it that they really, really want? What is what is their vision for their future and how can we possibly overcome some of the, of the problems or how can we support? So in these spaces, there's a huge range of support available from simply that consultation, that listening ear. Then you've got ongoing counselling, if necessary. You've got practical support. Um, you've got mentoring. You might even have home visits. You might even have a program where there's um, frozen meals prepared for someone after they've given birth if they need help. So um, all of the centres, as you mentioned at the beginning, they're all independent and they all have their own unique different flavour according to the locality um, and the needs that arise in that. Um, my understanding of the way some of these centres work, I've had a little bit of exposure to Eva's place in my old hometown of Toowoomba on the Darling Downs where there's a number of um, centres established in some of those regional and country towns. But uh, it's very non-judgmental. Uh, it's not they're trying to talk a woman out of abortion necessarily. It's just saying, look, as you make your choice, uh, here's some support that's available. Is, is that essentially how the others work as well? Yes, so basically the members in our centre, they do sign a commitment of care and competence. So all of our members, they have a life-affirming um, structure. And we prefer the term life-affirming because, as you know, um, pro-life, it, it is highly political. It's, there's a big stigma with that and it, it runs with an agenda. Whereas life-affirming, we feel like, okay, it's still the same principle. We respect life from conception until natural death and um, we uphold life, but we're there really not to push an agenda. We offer impartial care. We stay out of the pro-life, pro-choice debate. We're just there to offer compassionate support and um, and impartial, you know, non-judgmental. So honestly, sometimes you get people from... Um, say, a pro-choice camp, they may not know much about pregnancy centres, but because we're firm on our identity, perhaps they jump the gun and think that there is this agenda and there is this push. When it's not the case, we walk with a client regardless of their decision, their free will after they've got all their information um, and they feel confident in the decision they're making. They know that we will not judge them, we will not... Um, provide or refer for abortion but you know we are there for them for their journey and they can come back if they're suffering if they make that decision for an abortion we are there for them and many women do end up coming back if they're suffering after making that choice right so so you're even supporting women who who, who make a choice that perhaps you and i would prefer not to um, but but as you say you're non-judgmental in that but what, what do you find though when uh, your centers do um find themselves in a position where they can say to uh, a woman who is in an unsupported situation, look, here's, here's some frozen meals, here's 
uh, some financial support, uh, here's some baby clothes, some, you know, a, a pram, a, a cot, uh, the, the, the things that they need practically to, uh, as well as, you know, mentoring and friendship and counselling, what happens when those things are provided uh, in, in, in many of the instances that you see? Well, this is the beauty, the miraculous exchange of that first consultation because the majority of it is listening. And, of course, we wouldn't, you know, it's not like they come in and they're saying, you know, I need to have an abortion, da, 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 da. There's actually a compassionate moment of listening where the counsellors, all the tra- volunteers are trained in how to listen and how to gain that trust. So it's a conversation where there's a relationship of trust forming. Um, and then once you hear what the worries are, what the problems are, you can reflect it back so that the client actually feels heard. But also in that sense, that's when you you start offering, well, you know, you've got this issue here, you're worried about your finances, you don't know how you're going to afford the baby clothes. How would it impact you to know that you don't have to worry about that? And that's when you start seeing that change that you're talking about or you were asking me, what happens when these women are here? What's available to them? Well, honestly, it is almost like, their face changes. There's a radiance that comes over their face because this is an issue of worth. Most of the women are coming. They are being, we don't know the tough road that they've walked, but they may have only faced criticism, judgment up until then. They may have been coming from abuse. They may just not have any sense of anyone caring about them. And so when they come in and they have a welcoming space a cup of tea, someone who's going to listen to them, engage their heart and really hear them, their whole um, demeanour changes because they've met with the light of love. And that's and that's the vine that each of that's why the Christian identity is important in the centres. It's not that we're preaching, but through our um, knowledge that there's a promise that this woman will be provided for. Um, And so we can always speak with utmost confidence to say, if it's your finances, no woman should feel she needs to have an abortion due to finances. We will provide. Um, And we we might not have the money that day, but do you know what? Every single centre believes that it will come. And you can speak to um, other centres and they'll tell you, yeah, the provision just comes as we walk day by day with that client so Laura do you find um and and do your centers around the nation find that when women come to places uh like those that we're talking about today that Mm -hmm. um it's a bit of a surprise to them because we live in a very pro-choice culture the the media you know promotes one choice uh and you don't you don't often hear um the choice of of keeping a baby affirmed and promoted in the culture it's like mm-hmm. no no we've, we've got abortion and and you know it's an acrimonious political debate and we see people protesting mm-hmm. in the street for the right to keep abortion mm-hmm. uh, but but we hear very little about the sort of work that you do and you mentioned that um you know your centers are motivated by christian faith i'd be interested whether there's other pregnancy support um facilities doing what you do that that you know, come from a non-faith perspective. But but what's the response from the young women when they realise that, hang on, there's another side of this pro-choice? There actually is a choice uh, that doesn't involve the taking of the unborn baby's life and that, that 
can then become a viable choice for them. Well, I think this is that radiance I expressed. When someone is given that kind of dignity by the support that's offered to them, it comes with freedom. And even though, you know, the pro-choice choice says there's a, a choice, there's freedom, we ultimately know statistics show that the majority of women who have had an abortion chose to have an abortion due to lack of support. And many that speak to you after will say, I did not feel that I had a choice, another choice than abortion. So um, for the clients that come in that are in that space, yeah, it is this, it's just this relief to actually, they, you know, it's unbelievable to them the amount of support they can actually get to the point that even after that first meeting sometimes, they may only be in their early pregnancy, but often they'll receive just some kind of gift it might just be a pamper pack. It might be something just for them um, to to celebrate them. Um, they may have not made up their mind yet, but those small acts of making someone feel valuable and special are so powerful. Um, and then to answer your question with the pro-choice side, I really do believe that the more down-to-earth conversations we can have with people who are pro-choice, um, the more headway we're going to make because ultimately I do believe that many pro-choice, they do just want to, to, they want the best for women, you know, that's where they're standing and they believe they're fighting for that. But maybe they don't have all the information yet either to make that mm. decision. Yeah. Um, that's what I love about this discussion, Lara, and uh, what you and uh, the other centres, people like, um, as I mentioned, Eva's Place, uh, uh, Juliet Ballinger and so many other champions uh, that uh, whose names should be up in lights around this country for what they do. But um, this perspective is just never mentioned. You don't hear the side of the debate about uh, women who, who, who wish that they did have uh, a genuine choice, not just the choice that society and the media offers. Um, Lara, how... Are these centres resourced? I, well, I, th I know the answer to that because I've been to Eva's Place uh, fundraisers. Uh, it's a tough job. There's not really a lot of government support for this sort of work, is there? No, predominantly we're all privately funded and, you know, it from small beginnings a group of people will get together, try and put together a board, become a not-for-profit and... Um, and then they get their local community, churches, whoever they can to become their fundraisers. And, um, you know, that's, that's the, the tension, I suppose, in these, in, in the walk of this mission, um, is that, you know, if we could have money poured in, well, yes, we could up, uplift the branding and more people could find us as well. And that's partly what PHA is for. You know, we, we need to look at that angle. We've got a 1-300 number that if people call, they can be directed then to a centre. But, of course, um, you know, I think there's just been a little bit of miss, um, well, not enough communication. It's nobody's fault. It's, it takes time to do these things. But especially in the churches, you know, I feel... Our, our vision, our big vision is that we want to see a pregnancy help centre or I affectionately nickname them, them a little hub of love in every neighbourhood because everyone needs local access. If you don't have a car, if you're a mum with no money and kids in tow, you can't be travelling an hour away 
or getting things like that. So, um, you know, we we need the church to see and recognise who we are and if they can't um, volunteer, you know, because everyone's doing different things, if they can't volunteer, maybe they can try and find a pregnancy centre that they can really sow into financially. Um, so, so, Lara, how can people do that? I love that phrase you just mentioned, a little hub of love in every neighbourhood. That's exactly what we need. Um, yeah. How can people support your work and, and, and see um, resources directed to uh, these centres? Perhaps, you know, there's 30 around the country. Um, that, that's, a, that's a lot. Mm-hmm. I had no idea the movement was so big. On, but I know that the need is is huge and we're only probably just scratching the surface. But how can oh. people get behind these centres and what can they yes. do practically? Well, that's the thing. If that little, if that vision has captured your heart, and and I will keep talking here and pushing this, we have more than one church in most suburbs, so it baffles me that we can't come together somehow with the churches. There must be a spare room. There must be some kind of property that could be utilised for a pregnancy help centre if there is not one in your neighbourhood. So I suppose to your listeners, the first thing I would suggest is if you want to support, if while you're listening to this, you actually feel inspired that you're being called to work or start a centre, look around. Is there a centre in your neighbourhood? If If there isn't, please contact Pregnancy Help Australia because that is part of what we do, equipping, empowering and encouraging people in that journey to start a centre and birth it. So there's one aspect. Another aspect, prayer. Please cover the whole network in your prayer, prayers for protection, prayers for provision. And then secondly, also, you know, you could go to Pregnancy Help Australia. We definitely do need support financially um, and we really want to use that, as I said, to to push the branding out there and also keep equipping. We do a lot of coaching, mentoring and all that kind of thing. We've got a a national conference coming up virtually. So I want your listeners, if you're not working in a centre but you want to know what it's all about, that's the conference to come to. Mm -hmm. Um, I'll direct them there soon. Um, But also if you come to the website for Pregnancy Help Australia, you can see a listing of all the centres that are in our network. So then you can visit them. Maybe there's a specific centre you want to donate to so you can find them. Fantastic. So you can find the one in your local area. So just give us that website address and we'll put it up on the screen as well. Yes, if you just uh, Laura. You want me to pop it in the chat? Uh, no, you just, 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 just tell us um, the website yeah, so and I'll, I'll, I'll get a graphic put on the screen. Yeah, pregnancyhelpaustralia, all one word, .org.au. Fantastic, Lara. Well, look, it's very been very inspiring talking to you today. Um, I really appreciate uh, your time and uh, thanks for sharing uh, this amazing uh, work with us on the Macquarie Street Political Podcast. It's been a pleasure. Thanks for having me, Lyle. Thanks. Well, I hope you enjoyed that discussion with Lynn mallard Winion of Pregnancy Help Australia. I, I hope you can get behind organisations like hers. Well, that's it for the Macquarie Street Political Podcast for another week. I want to thank Dave Pellow and Aidan at the Good Source News for production and editing of this podcast. Uh, I appreciate them helping uh, bring this to you. Uh, thanks for your support. And uh, if you'd like to know more about what I'm doing, you can read my blogs at Family First dot org dot au that's family first sorry that's family first party dot org dot au and uh, i'd love uh, to keep in touch with you so thanks so much and we'll see you again next week on the macquarie street political podcast <laughs>